Hi listeners, stories have so much power and so does whoever controls the narrative. It is time that we dissect and analyze these stories. I am Vipul and this is Vogue Tales. Blood wishes, talking mirrors, and poison fruit. It's all here in Snow White, one of the most enduringly popular and recognizable fairy tales in Western literature. Yet, what is the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs really about? Does it have a moral? And what are the fairy tales' origins? Let's dissect and analyze the Snow White story with today's guest, Isha Sodi. Isha is an author and blogger. She has published two books and has written many articles in her blog. On her blog, she has also analyzed few anti-feminist soap operas, movies, and news articles. So analyzing this story with me won't be her first rodeo. Hi, Isha. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Vipul. Thank you so much for inviting me to this amazing podcast. I'm actually very glad to be a part of this journey. You're doing amazing work. Thank you. That's so sweet. And Isha, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about your books? Yeah, sure. The first book that I've written is That Untamed Girl. It is a collection of poetry. They are different poems. All the poems have different flavors, but they all are women-centric. And I think uh, those who claim that they're feminists and pro-women, I think it's a good read for them. I'm sure they'll enjoy. And my second book is for French language skills. Uh, You know, whenever someone is trying to learn a new language, we seem to get stuck after revising a grammar or something. This book, I am sure, will take them to a next level. This is a good buy for people who want to learn French because this is a practical book and it will help them save a lot of time instead of hopping from one one website to another and, you know, searching for material to read. Uh, This is just one-stop book for all the needs and incredible vocabulary. Awesome. So anyone thinking about learning French, please check out Enhance Your French Language Skills, a perfect handbook to increase your French vocabulary by Isha Sodi. It is available on Amazon. And I actually have a copy of That Untamed Girl, which is also available on Amazon. I want to congratulate you on that book, Isha. All the poems are incredible and so insightful and inspiring. Thank you. You're welcome. And now... It's story time. Once upon a time, in midwinter, it was snowing and a queen sat sewing in her window, which had a frame of black ebony wood. As she sewed, she looked up at the snow and pricked her finger with her needle. Three drops of blood fell into the snow. The red on the white looked so beautiful that she thought to herself, If only I had a child as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as the wood in this frame. Soon afterwards, she had a little daughter who had snow-white skin, cheeks as red as her mother's blood, and hair as black as ebony. And therefore, they called her Little Snow White. When the queen died shortly after this, the king remarried a vain woman who became Snow White's stepmother. 
She had a magic mirror. Every morning she stood before it, looked at herself and said, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who in this land is fairest of all? To this the mirror answered, You, my queen, is the fairest of all. Then she was satisfied, for she knew that the mirror spoke the truth. Snow White grew up and became even more beautiful. When she was seven years old, she was as beautiful as the light of day, even more beautiful than the queen herself. One day when the queen asked her mirror, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who in this land is fairest of all? It answered, You, my queen, are fair, it is true, but Snow White is a thousand times fairer than you. The queen took fright and turned yellow and green with envy. From that hour on, whenever she looked at Snow White, her heart turned over inside her body. So great was her hatred for the girl. The envy and pride grew even greater, like a weed in her heart, until she had no peace day and night. Then she summoned a huntsman and said to him, Take Snow White out into the woods. I never want to see her again. Kill her, and as proof that she is dead, bring her lungs and her liver back to me. The huntsman obeyed and took Snow White into the woods. He took out his hunting knife and was about to stab it into her innocent heart when she began to cry, saying, O oh dear huntsman, let me live. I will run into the wild woods and never come back. Because she was so beautiful, the huntsman took pity on her, and he said, Run away, you poor child. He thought the wild animals will soon devour you anyway, but still it was as if a stone had fallen from his heart, for he would not have to kill her. Just then a young boar came running by. He killed it, cut out its lung and liver, and took them back to the queen as proof of Snow White's death. The cook had to boil them and salt, and the wicked women ate them, supposing that she had eaten Snow White's lungs and liver. Snow White wanders, lost and forlorn, through the forest until she comes to a cottage, which she enters in the hope of finding shelter. Instead, what she finds are seven places laid out for dinner, seven beds, seven of everything. She had a bit out of each of the food and drink set out at the dinner table, before trying each of the beds, until she finds one that's comfortable and falls asleep. After dark, the masters of the house returned home. They were seven dwarfs who picked and dug for ore in the mountains. They lit their seven candles, and as soon as it was lit in their house, they saw that someone had been there, for not everything was in the same order as they had left it. Someone had eaten their food and tried to lay in every bed. The seven dwarf, looking at his bed, found Snow White lying there asleep. The seven dwarfs all came running up and they cried out in amazement. They fetched their seven candles and shone the light on Snow White. Oh, good heaven, they cried. This child is so beautiful. They were overjoyed to see her and left her to sleep. In the morning, she wakes and tells them her story and they agree to let her stay with them and look after the cottage while they go out to work. The dwarfs say, if you will keep house for us and cook, make beds, wash, sew and knit and keep everything clean and orderly, then you can stay with us and you shall have everything that you want. Yes, says Snow White, with all my heart. Every morning they went into the mountains looking for ore and gold and in the evening when they came back home their meal had to be ready. During the day Snow White would be alone. 
the good dwarfs warned her, saying, Be careful about your stepmother. She will soon know that you are here. Do not let anyone in. Now the queen, believing that she had eaten Snow White's lungs and liver, could only think that she was again the first and the most beautiful woman of all. She stepped before her mirror and said, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who in this land is fairest of all? It answered, You, my queen, are fair, it is true, but Snow White, beyond the mountains with the seven dwarfs, is still a thousand times fairer than you. This startled the queen, for she knew that the mirror did not lie, and she realized that the huntsman had deceived her, and that Snow White was still alive. The wicked stepmother disguised herself as an old peddler woman and went to the house of the seven dwarfs. Knocking on the door, she called out, Beautiful laces for sale! Beautiful laces for sale! Snow White peered out the window. I can let that honest woman in, thought Snow White. Then she unbolted the door and bought the pretty lace. The old woman said, Child, how you look! Come, let me lace you up properly. The unsuspecting Snow White stood before her and let her do up the new lace. But the old woman pulled so quickly and so hard that Snow White could not breathe. You used to be the most beautiful one, said the old woman and hurried away. When the dwarfs returned, they undo the lace and revived the girl, warning her to be more vigilant. They, unlike Snow White, had realized that the peddler was the wicked queen in disguise. When the wicked queen gets home and learns from the mirror that her plan had been thwarted again, she sets off in a different disguise and using witchcraft makes a poisoned comb. When she reached the cottage of the seven dwarfs, Snow White looked out and said, Go on your way. I'm not allowed to let anyone in. You surely must take a look, said the old woman, pulling out the poisoned comb and holding it up. The child liked it so much that she let herself be deceived, and she opened the door. When they had agreed on the purchase, the old woman said, Now, let me comb your hair properly. She had barely stuck the comb in Snow White's hair when the poison took effect, and the girl fell down unconscious. You specimen of beauty, said the wicked woman, now you are finished, and she walked away. But once again, the dwarfs managed to revive Snow White, and the wicked queen learns from the mirror that the girl is still alive. So she contrives a third plan. She sets off for the dwarfs' cottage a third time, this time dressed as an old peasant's wife with a poisoned apple. From the outside, it was beautiful, white with red cheeks, and anyone who saw it would want it. But anyone who might eat a little piece of it would die. Snow White stuck her head out of the window and said, I'm not allowed to let anyone in. The dwarves have forbidden me to do so. That is all right with me, answered the peasant woman. I will easily get rid of my apples. Here, I'll give you one of them. No, said Snow White. I cannot accept anything. Are you afraid of poison? asked the old woman. Look, I'll cut the apple in two. You eat the red half and I will eat the white half. Now the apple had been so artfully made that only the red half was poisoned. Snow White longed for the beautiful apple and when she saw the peasant woman was eating part of it, she could no longer resist. And she stuck her hand out and took the poisoned half. She barely had a bite in her mouth when she fell on the ground, dead. The queen looked at her with a gruesome stare, laughed loudly, and said, White as snow, red as blood, black as ebony wood. This time the dwarfs cannot awaken you. 
Back at home, she asked her mirror, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who in this land is fairest of all? It finally answered, You, my queen, are fairest of all. Then her envious heart was at rest, as well as an envious heart can be at rest. The dwarfs were distraught by Snow White's death and lay her to rest in a glass coffin. Snow White lay there in the coffin for a long, long time, and she did not decay, but looked like she was asleep. For she was still as white as snow and as red as blood and as black-haired as ebony wood. A prince entered these woods and happened upon the dwarf's house, where he sought shelter for one night. He saw the coffin on the mountain with beautiful snow white in it, and he read what was written on it with golden letters. He begged the dwarfs to let him take the coffin with him, and they reluctantly agree. The prince had his servant carry it away on their shoulders. But then it happened that one of them stumbled, and this dislodged from Snow White's throat the piece of poisoned apple that she had bitten off. She opened her eyes, lifted the lid from her coffin, sat up, and was alive again. Good heavens, where am I? she cried out. The prince said joyfully, You are with me, he told her what had happened, and then said, I love you more than anything else in the world. Come with me to my father's castle. You shall become my wife. Snow White loved him and went with him. Their wedding was planned with great splendor and majesty. Snow White's godless stepmother was also invited to the feast. After putting on her beautiful clothes, she stepped before the mirror and said, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who in this land is fairest of all? The mirror answered, You, my queen, are fair, it is true, but the young queen is a thousand times fairer than you. The wicked woman uttered a curse, and she became so frightened, so frightened that she did not know what to do. At first, she did not want to go to the wedding, but she found no peace. She had to go and see the young queen. When she arrived, she recognized Snow White, and terrorized, she could only stand there without moving. Then they put a pair of iron shoes into burning coals. They were brought forth with tongs and placed before her. She was forced to step into the red-hot shoes and dance until she fell down dead. The End So before we start our discussion, here is some background information about the story. It is based on the German fairy tale scribed by the brothers Grimm with the original title Little Snow White. Disney changed it to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And other than Cinderella, the story is probably the most reused of the Disney's fairy tales. Snow White was the first Disney princess movie, the progenitor of the Disney princess formula, and the birth of a lot of problematic tropes. Premiering in 1937, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was the film that put Disney on map and really created feature film animation in America. Disney changed the ending to Stepmother killing the Snow White with poisoned apple and Snow White needs love's first kiss to wake her up from her death coma. At 14, she is the youngest of the official Disney princesses. In the original story, she was 7 years old. We can keep these differences in mind when we discuss. So Isha, what are your initial thoughts on the story? Uh, well, uh, you know, I read the story. Uh, obviously, we have read it, you know, since many years. But uh, now that I analyze the story, you know how you say you dissect the story. You know, I really mm-hmm. like that part when you say that because it's, it's amazing. 
so it's a good take so when i read the story i thought okay now i feel that that wicked stepmom now that is one empowered woman there you know mm-hmm. she has the resources she knows what she wants and she's using the resources to get what she likes i think what snow white is doing that is just promoting fake feminism <laughs> but stepmother is the one who is actually an empowered woman <laughs> that is what my opinion is right so snow white doesn't have any agency she hasn't really taken any active actions things are just happening around her and all her actions are just reactions to whatever is happening yeah she is just waiting for a prince you know she she's scrubbing she's cleaning in dwarf's house i mean just imagine if the situation would have been that somehow the stepmom is there with the dwarfs you think she'll be the one who will be cleaning and scrubbing their floors not at all she will put all the dwarfs in line and i think they will be the one working for her right so i think that is the power inside you you know women have to be gallant they have to be powerful mm-hmm. to get what they want and as right. for snow white i think it's okay i mean people get bewitched by beauty and i'm sure there are people who feel that physical appearance is just a gatekeeper which directs them towards their desirable partners but mm-hmm. still there are people who look at someone you know and they say okay she is gorgeous but they don't feel anything right, right. so i think uh, if we talk about women that women are vain i guess it is just overrated I think this obsession with appearances I think it's overrated. Yes. So you made two very good points here. First about the role reversal and the stepmother living with dwarfs and how she would be telling them what to do and running the household. And usually it is unfair because when we see a woman giving orders they are called bossy and when a man does it he has leadership qualities. So in a story a powerful woman character is usually bad, evil or vindictive. but a powerful man is usually a prince or a king or a knight well even though things are changing but society still has a very different lens or perspective towards the gender of the leader yeah you know i think i portrayed this thing very nicely in my second poem the woman in the corner seat it is this poem is all about women being in power i think this mm-hmm. that poem exactly portrays what this uh, story is trying to tell because when women speak they are uh, like she's different like being different is bad right mm-hmm. for them uh, it is uh, structured that women are supposed to be submissive mm-hmm. and if men speak okay they are they, they are leaders but if women speak uh, she shouldn't but you, you know, know what i never end up on a sad note i will not say that is true but i think we are, we should be hopeful i think we should be hopeful and we should try you know uh, slowly and gradually we should try to break this uh, sexist structure which is supposed to be there and mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. it's in our hands i think it is in our hands uh, we need right. that is what i am trying to say through everything what i write that we need to be gallant we need to be gallant mm-hmm. we need to be fearless it 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 doesn't matter do what is right hmm the righteous path i guess can be a little tricky because if you have been taught to behave a certain way all your life you might not even see it as inequality or if you see that but have been silenced or cornered all your life it is hard to speak up so i think there is power dynamics between men and women there's status quo but i agree that if no one would do it nothing would change absolutely So we got to keep pushing. Now coming to the second point you made before about vanity. 
Well, this story is all about beauty, starting from Snow White's birth mother, wishing for a child to have very specific physical attributes, and in doing so, generalizing the word beauty. Then the stepmother comes into picture, who is also beautiful, and then of course we have Snow White, who's beautiful as well. And probably the stepmother was so vain because of the societal structure and mindset that beauty was her only power and being beautiful is the only value a woman can have. Actually, they used to think that these are the only possible weapons they have. That right. is, you know, beauty right. and charm. They were the only possible weapons they have. But I think it's beyond that. Of course. And the stepmother probably feels threatened that her power is being taken away from her. But the story has Snow White as a seven-year-old child and to objectify her and put her as a competition for beauty is so messed up. Obviously, because, you know, kids are happy people. They're little people, they're they're always happy, right? And whosoever is happy is automatically beautiful. I think the happiest women are the most beautiful women. So you can't compare because seven-year-old child, she's a happy person. She'll be beautiful no matter what the mirror says. Mm Yeah. But I think just comparing her beauty to stepmother's beauty objectifies a little child. And probably because she's a girl, I don't think a boy child would be objectified in a similar manner. I don't think so. Yeah, you are absolutely right. Because even nowadays, uh, if if you see there are many beauty pageants, there are so many uh, competitions, whether it is dance competition or any other sort of competition, there is an ugly rivalry. The little kids, they have been dressed provocatively and they are, you know, dancing in very dirty manners. Uh, and, right. and so much makeup is put that even a seven-year-old girl can look 20 years old. So I think it still right. exists in some way or the other, objectifying right. little kids. Right, uh, yeah. And I think there have been many blogs also. Many people have raised their voices also against them. But uh, people are obsessed with this uh, appearance and uh, to prove that women are actually vain. Right. The vanity is not only associated with the stepmother, but also with Snow White. She's attracted to the lace for the corset and the comb. If it was a boy child, these things would be different. So it perpetuates the gender conforming habits that it's a girl, so she will like these things, which are associated with physical appearance. The story puts that seed of vanity in a little child and in the reader's mind. Yeah, but you know, there is another side to it. I, I was thinking there is another side to it. Even if even it is not easy for women, you know, they don't have it easy. If they put makeup, they're slut shamed. If they don't, they say, okay, she's not even trying. I mean, sometimes right. women are themselves confused what to do. I mean, okay, right. fine. If I look good, if I put makeup, I might be slut shamed in the office, you know. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. I am not even trying, they'll say, okay, she's not even putting any effort. She doesn't care. So, right. so, you know, it's, it's, it's actually quite a confusing path. It's just that one has to find a midway for them themselves, what they want. At the end, it all comes what, what tingles in your heart, what you want. I think that is the perfect way. And nowadays, uh, things have changed. People who have daughters, I think, even I, if I talk for myself, uh, I think uh, my parents and even today, daughters, they are raising them, you know, to be fearless, to be gallant. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. I agree. The pressure of striking a balance on how you look or dress is much more on women compared to men. But luckily, the new generation doesn't care as much about societal's approval. And probably, there would come a time when they wouldn't care at all. 
Um, you know, we are talking about all this, na, women dressing. What is coming to my mind right now, Vipul, is have you seen uh, The Devil Wears Prada? I've seen it, although a long time ago. Okay, in that movie, when she said, okay, these both belts are same. You remember that scene when, when she's wearing a blue sweater and Hathaway and the, what is the name of the person? Then she gives her a speech for, I mean, a minute long speech on fashion and how women dress. I think that is also important for women to dress good, but they should not be objectified on the basis of how they look. Right. That is the point. So I don't remember the movie scene by scene as okay. Uh, you do. <laughs> Maybe you watched it recently. <laughs> I I um, watched it recently actually. No, I I have rewatched right. it many times. So. <laughs> but I've seen that movie and remember Meryl Streep as this boss lady, no funny business. But I guess they were in fashion, so there's a different context to the things they wear. And I've heard fashion and comfort are indirectly proportional, but that's kind of opening a Pandora box for a different discussion tangent. <laughs> So, coming back to the story, we were talking about a girl child and a boy child, and Snow White is obviously beautiful, but the other value she has is doing the household chores. Dwarfs agree to let her stay if she looked after the cottage. She cooks, she makes beds, washes, sews, knits, keep everything clean and orderly. First of all, she's a seven-year-old child, and I was wondering if she was a boy child would they have done the same with respect to assigning duties? And if this again perpetuates gender stereotypes on young girls? I feel that if it were a boy child, I think he would be doing a lot more. Because what men are supposed to be, you know, uh, rugged and they're supposed to do all the physical work. This is how the society is structured. So what I feel is that if it were a boy... I'm, I think he would be doing a lot more work and they will also take him along with them, you know, to whatever work they were doing. He will be doing housework also and he'll be working, he'll be helping them in their job also. And right. as far as Snow White is concerned, I think because uh, she has no, nothing else, she, she cannot prove her worth in any way. Right. Mm-hmm. So for dwarves, it is just business. Okay. You are staying with uh, me and you're supposed to do work. It is just business for them. Now she is the one who is not able to prove her worth in any other way. That is all she knows. That is all she has been taught. So that is all she will do. Right. right. But if yeah. it were a boy, I think he would be do- doing a lot more work because society is structured in a way that men are supposed to be, you know, physically strong and they're supposed to do all the physical activities. Mm. That's a good point about you do what you know and what you're taught. And what you're taught is what is expected of you. So it is a cycle. But the bottom line is one should not associate gender with activities to learn and to do. Absolutely. You know, skill set, you know, everybody has their own skill set. And their Mm -hmm. skills should be polished as per their interests. So what do you think about the ending? She's too beautiful to bury underground, so they build her an above-ground glass coffin. And Prince falls in love with a corpse, basically. And without any expectation for her to come alive, he takes the coffin as a quote-unquote display object. If you see from his perspective, you know, Mm -hmm. let's let's cut him some slack. I think he was actually trying to honor that. I think that is a gesture to honor someone, you know, mm-hmm. he, she, he thought that this thing should be, you know, uh, honored and uh, she should be shown to the world because that is what she deserves. I think that is a gesture oh. to honor her rather than objectify her. Oh, I feel that. Yeah, that's a, that's a very positive right? way of looking at it. 
So I like that. <laughs> that is a very positive. Way of let's go with it. Like. Looking, yeah, I think that's uh, yeah. Let's go with that because I think always assume good intent until proven otherwise. But I'm not done complaining. Let's look at the Disney movie ending, the age-old kiss of true love breaking the spell formula. Well, he kisses her without consent while she's unconscious. That's sexual assault. We shouldn't romanticize any non-consensual physical contact. Something to point out to the kids watching the movie that don't kiss without consent. Or you know what we can say is that he wanted to kiss her but he didn't have her consent so he stopped himself. He really wanted to kiss her but he stopped himself <laughs> because that was the right thing to do. <laughs> That's a good lesson or moral which can be added to the ending. But another issue is that the story is so popular with the whole commercialization that it makes the beauty standard problematic. Being fair-skinned and beautiful equated together is Eurocentric, which is a problem because now this beauty standard is normalized worldwide and not everyone conforms to this. That is actually true and it's a great point because like you said that uh, all parts of um, the world they have women with different body structures and it's just just how hard mm-hmm. they try it is just not possible for them to look that way but they are still beautiful they are still mm-hmm. beautiful so what right. i would like to say is if you're happy i think you're pretty mm-hmm. so we should all focus on being happy i think that was that will automatically make our face glow that is what it should be happiest women are the most beautiful women preach So before we end the discussion I have one final symbolism to point out in the movie the mirror is the voice of a man which is telling a woman if she is beautiful is this the voice of patriarchy and represents that it is men who create the beauty standards for women and cast aside who do not meet them like these days hot or not list or who wore it better list I feel mirror is just a smart machine who is working on the data which is provided to it. When the mirror says that yes you are beautiful, it, it's a good point actually. I forgot to discuss that. If the mirror is saying okay you are beautiful, I feel it is not just looking at the reflection, it is not just looking at the physical appearance. It is taking all sorts of inputs whether she is smart. Okay, how smart is she? So I feel maybe it is a smart machine. I would like to take it in that way because you know there were no computers, there was no technology. Maybe the magic right. mirror was just a smart machine she's owning, right? She was rich. Mm-hmm. It's a good point, but my issue with that is how can you objectively compare quote unquote beauty of a child and an adult? But talking about the mirror, here's a trivia for you. So Grimm brothers collected multiple versions of the story. and then condense them into one story. In one of the versions of the Snow White they collected, the stepmother had a dog called Mirror. So when she was saying Mirror Mirror, she was talking to her dog. She would say Mirror Mirror beneath the bench, look in this land, look in that land. Who is the fairest in England? <laughs> anyway, uh, I think it was great chatting with you and a uh, great discussion, great inputs from you. I have a very seems like I have a very negative way of <laughs> looking at the stories. So thank you for bringing in some positivity and assume good intent part to the story. Welcome, thank you, Vipul. Thank you for having me. It was really wonderful talking to you. You know, I think we should cherish in all these stories in a positive way, and we should mm-hmm. turn them around. It's time that yeah. we turn these uh, stories around and decorate yeah, yeah. them according to our will. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, these stories have been there forever. We just need to update them.
like everything else Absolutely. is important. Absolutely. Again, thanks, Isha. And everyone, check out Isha's books, That Untamed Girl and Enhance Your French Language Skills. Also, check out her blog at myinfinitethoughts-emotions.blogspot.com. So, what's next, Isha? Writing something else, you know, stay tuned. Oh. <laughs> also, I just bought mm-hmm. a new dress yesterday, Ooh. you know, so I'm going to wear that today. <laughs> I go <Ooh>. somewhere. <laughs> okay. So, mirror, mirror on the wall. <laughs> Who has the prettiest dress of them all? <laughs> I'm me, definitely me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. On that note, bye for now. Bye. Let me know your thoughts on the story and our discussion by emailing me on woketalespodcast at gmail.com or through social media at woketalespodcast on Instagram and woketalespod on Twitter. And please rate, review and like woketalespodcast and don't forget to subscribe so you can easily access our weekly stories. If you have any story recommendations or if you want to come dissect and analyze a story with me, give me a shout out on email or social media. Because whatever you do, keep dissecting and keep analyzing.